0: kangaroo courts, death threats, shipwrecks, and snake tamers. The life of the Christian is pretty darn exciting. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California, at Gospel Community Church. It is a nice place in which you live, is it not? It, it is a nice
1: place. It is very it's nice. The, it's the greatest. It's too expensive. If you don't live here, you should come here and live in, homeless. Homeless, you can live for free. And you can come actually. to our
0: church and get fed, not with food, because you're homeless and you're probably going to be hard to get food. Actually, it's probably easy to get food here. It's probably yeah. easy. Yeah. You'll
1: have a home in at our church, not like get, a place you can live. Yeah, you get fed work. the word of God. Yeah. You know? yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, that'll sustain yeah, I, you. I think everyone should come live in Santa Cruz. It's the greatest. That's pretty cool. Um, speaking of the greatest, Book of Acts, great historical book yes. in the New Testament. Obviously, we have the Gospels. Those are all history. Yeah. But this is kind of the last or the, the main history book that's not about the life of Christ. Right. But it's the continuation. It's the part B. It's the mm-hmm. you know continuing acts of Christ through his apostles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because the we're the Christ body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. They're representatives of him. Uh, the church is being built. So we're seeing this just amazing story unfold. And now we're coming to the very end of the book. Mm. Great. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and then what? Who and next? then, well, and then the next book is going to come. Ah, Then we have a lot of theology that we're going to try to cover in very short segments. So it should be next to impossible.
0: Yeah, it will be impossible, but with God.
1: ooh, all things are possible. Yes. Yes. Sports verse. <laughs> um, great. Well, let's look. <laughs> let's look. Uh, uh, so where we're at, let's locate ourselves in the book of Acts. So the first half of the book was kind of more focused on Peter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a generalization, but and then in chapter thirteen to twenty eight, it's really focuses en- almost entirely on Paul. Kind of Paul the main character. Yeah. For, yeah. Well, he didn't he didn't write it.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's just a little too glorifying for one guy. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, he is Luke's boy because Luke, you know, was traveling with him. Fair. Yeah. He's one of the us guys. Um, but so Paul is is doing his journeys. We've seen a lot of you know ups and downs. We've seen him you know, get killed or almost killed a bunch of times. And it's been really great. Now we're coming to where we just finished the third missionary journey Mm -hmm. and we're looking at his arrest and imprisonment. So Paul's going to be arrested and basically be kind of shipped around and stay in certain spots. You know, this is when he writes some of his letters, um, and then he'll be taken to Rome at the very end. Hmm. So, chapters 21, 26 is his arrest and his imprisonment. And then, chapters 27, 28 is his journey to Rome. And remember, the big idea here is that there's a movement in the gospel of Luke from the, the global, the Roman world down to uh, Galilee and then to Jerusalem. So, it's narrowing in on Jerusalem. Mm hmm. And then in the book of Acts, which is the second part of Luke's gospel, essentially, is the reversal of that. So it starts in Jerusalem, right. they receive the Holy Spirit, and then there's a movement outward. Super cool. Right? S- Samaria, right? Judea, to, to the, end the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. The yeah. earth. I yeah. did that backwards, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I get, to, you. I get and, you. And so at the end, Rome is in view, and and that's where it ends. It ends kind of, it leaves us hanging, <laughs> but the whole idea is that Paul is in Rome, and now the gospel is going out to the capital of the Empire right it's going towards the end of the earth and he even has this movement we'll see in Rome and Romans that he wants to go even towards Spain yeah so he he's there he'll eventually die in Rome but it's pretty awesome pretty awesome how, how that book is structured and how that reversal is happening and how we can see I always think about like how Santa Cruz is the ends of the earth mm-hmm. it is about as far from Israel as you can get no yeah. you know maybe Alaska is, is farther but You know, there's only a few places really that are farther from the the promised land than us. And yet here we are on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, you know, being able to talk about God's word because different missionaries have gone out progressively throughout history. And it started with Paul.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. And I I do love the theme that we've seen here in Acts of not only like uh, the way in which God is, or not, not only like geographically how God is growing his church here in Acts, but also like the means in which he's doing it. So... We saw in the Gospels that through suffering, you know, uh, the church is made through the resurrection and death of Jesus Christ. So there's great suffering leads to great blessing, right? Yeah. And I, I love how you see how God grows the church. It's not just blessing all the time. The apostles go through tons of suffering. I mean, we went just we just went to Shepherds Conference um, recently, and uh, um, it was cool to be reminded that. The primary means in which God grows his church is through persecution and suffering, and that's a normal thing, and that's part of God's plan. And look at the blessing that the world is getting because of the suffering of these apostles in Acts. Yep. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and they're
1: rejoicing in their <laughs> suffering, praising God for it, yeah, and yeah. continuing on, believing that God is in control, mm-hmm. and that he's gonna, his word is going to prevail. Right. right. They're not always prevailing in an outward sense, but we keep, keep seeing that theme of the word of God is increasing and growing mightily and bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. It's winning the day. Yeah. And so that's that's an awesome encouragement for us. Right? Yep. Yep. Great. So awesome. speaking of guys, word, let's get in
0: chapter twenty one is that where we're at.
1: Yeah. So Paul, like I said, has finished his third missionary journey, and um, he's uh, he's going to go to Jerusalem, even though danger awaits him. Mm-hmm. And and this is how God's going to bring His perfect plan with Paul to to fulfill His ministry and go to Rome. So that's how he's going to get there. And we see a prophecy from a guy named Agabus in chapter twenty one. Agabus. Aga. Agabus um, And he's a prophet and he says to Paul he ties Paul's hand in, in his feet Or he buys his he takes Paul's belt I should say and binds his own feet and hands and he says Thus says the Holy Spirit This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles so he's warning Paul that uh, danger is awaiting him and that he's gonna get arrested If he goes to Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and so the response of his friends are, "Please don't go." Right, verse thirteen, or the verse twelve, they're urging him not to go, and Mm. he responds in verse thirteen by saying, "What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? Mm. For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus." Mm. So he he knows what he's doing, he knows where he's going, and so he ends up going to Jerusalem, and uh, of course. A riot starts and Paul is arrested. Right, everywhere Paul goes, uh, riots start. So let's go to chapter twenty-two. It's like
0: you know, America sometimes. <laughs>
1: There's really a flurry of action here at the end. It's it's just kind of like this place, that place, um, and so it's it, we're kind of going to go through it quickly. Um, but in chapter twenty-two, he addresses the crowd that has started this riot. And he gives his testimony to them, mm-hmm. right? And he says to them, "I used to persecute Christians. Mm. Like I used to be as hateful or more hateful towards God's people as you are." And then he says, he explains his conversion, right? He says, "One Ananias, verse twelve, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me, and and he healed me." So he's kind of saying, "There's a there's a guy who was well thought of, and he's the one who brought me to the faith." And then he's rejected by them. So he says in verse 17, "When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the te- temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying, "Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me." <laughs> and I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you." So he's saying that God's telling him they're not going to believe you or you know you have to get out,'re right. not going to accept your testimony. And the final thing he says is, verse 21, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Mm. So God is telling him that the movement now is toward the Gentiles. So there's going to be a rejection of Paul and his ministry and really of the entire gospel message. And so Paul needs to move increasingly toward the Gentiles. Mm. And, of course, Paul is that apostle to the Gentiles. But so far, everywhere he's gone, he's been going to the synagogues and proclaiming to the Jews first. Right. And we'll see that in Romans, the whole idea of to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the order of time and the revelation of God's plan, the Jew was the first one to receive God's word. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's going to them first, but when they reject him, he's increasingly moving toward the Gentiles. Right. So that's, that's really important to see in the, in the ministry of Paul. So their response in verse 22 is, Um, They said uh, up to this word, they listened to him and they raised then they raised their voices and said away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. Bummer. That's that's awesome. He shouldn't he should not live. So they they want to kill him. Right. Again, a very common response and they get very upset (laughs) and they um, and then they were going to whip Paul. Verse 25 but Paul said to the centurion standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? Right. Yeah, <laughs> mm, I'm a Roman citizen. And the guy's like, wait, I paid a ton of money. Obviously, you can see that Paul's not wealthy. And Paul says, I was born a Roman citizen. Boom, mm-hmm. mic drop, right? So he is able to get out of that and he gets you know an apology and all that. But we see this, the rejection of Paul and now his his imprisonment. And so in chapter 23... He is put before the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. So he's put before the council. So the same people who crucified Jesus and right. condemned him are now looking at Paul and having to deal with the fact that Paul has the same power in him that Jesus did. Mm. This is, this, so this is very interesting. So what he does as he's standing before the council <laughs> is he does something incredibly smart, which is in verse 6. He, it says, When Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, mm-hmm. he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Mm. So the reason why he says this is because Pharisees believed in resurrection and Sadducees didn't. Mm -hmm. Sadducees kind of limited their belief. They believed in the, the books of Moses. But they didn't believe in the other books of the Old Testament. They didn't believe in a lot of supernatural things like angels, demons. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So Paul chooses the the most hot button issue, (laughs) right, and says, "This is why I'm on trial." Yeah, and so he's able to polarize them, right, and divide them against each other. It's a it's a smart tactic, huh? (laughs) I feel like maybe. People do that today. No, Just no throw out things no. like that to distract from the real issue. <laughs> but but Paul wants to show, you know, wants to show that he's innocent, and he causes a division between them. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, says, a great clamor arose, and and the Pharisees are defending him now, <laughs> and the Sadducees are are condemning him. And then it says, verse ten, when the dissension became violent, the Tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force. So he's dragged off to safety, and we see that that night, verse 11, the Lord comes to him and says, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Yeah. So God reminds him of his ultimate plan, says don't worry. And this is an anchor for Paul. If God says he's going to testify in Rome, then God's not going to let him be harmed until he gets to Rome. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll see yeah. him in terms of the shipwreck and stuff. He's like, Yeah, no, don't worry. You guys are fine. Like, I have to go to Rome. <laughs> and everyone's like, There's 200 plus people on this boat, and you think this is all about you? He's like, Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Paul, it's a little bit arrogant, right? No, no. So, what happens in the next, next part of the chapter is a group of 40 Jews make a pact not to eat or drink until they have killed Paul. Yeah. So, that's one of the. Th- <laughs>
0: And so they never kill him, so... Yes, I know. I always wondered, like, did they
1: they just, you know, forget that and say, you know, who's to say what that vow meant? Or did they stick to it and just die? (laughs) I I think it's hilarious, right? And again, we see there's 40 of them. Obviously, you know, 40 Jews could be able to do a lot against one guy. Mm -hmm. But what happens is Paul's nephew overhears the conversation and comes and tells the centurion who's in charge of Or the tribune um, who's in charge of paul Mm -hmm. and so they decide to to beef up their army basically and get a huge army to escort him everywhere (laughs) so what how i see it is god is increasingly like escorting paul to where he wants him to go right and and along the way paul is going to interact with really influential people and powerful people and be able to witness to them about the gospel, mm. it's really cool, yeah. right? These these religious are uh, these uh, I should say military leaders, and then also civil leaders, mm-hmm. so kings or governors or yeah. centurions, and they're all seeing increasingly that Paul is the one who is in charge, so to speak, that he's the one who's moving the pieces. Mm. So I love that increasing, uh, I don't know, the in- increasing movement of the text, I guess. Mm-hmm. So verse 23, it says, get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. you has <laughs> got 470 soldiers that are now guarding Paul and taking him to Caesarea. So it completely shuts down any ability these Jews have to fulfill their, their pact that they made. And yeah. so they end up um, losing a lot of weight. <laughs> Very effective diet. I always say that I could I could lose weight super fast yeah it's done if I wanted to yeah
0: I think it's what happens with carnivore diet and you just get tired yeah exactly yeah
1: that's my theory with all diets is that the the more cumbersome they are to eat anything yeah then you're just gonna lose weight and you go wow that was a great diet like no it was just you hated eating (laughs) so you stopped eating (laughs) exactly Uh, Wisdom.
0: yes I agree
1: chapter 24 so they can't condemn Paul they can't find a reason to condemn Paul so they just keep him in prison and he ends up witnessing for a season before Felix, the governor. Yeah. And we see in verse 27 that he was actually there for two years. He was there for two years. So he was there during Felix, and he was there when Festus takes over. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of through <laughs> multiple administrations. And you know, just as a side note, I think this is really important. So Felix is called the governor. We're going to see Agrippa, who's the king. Mm -hmm. There's all these different titles used of different rulers in the book of Acts. And this, some people have pointed to this as a sign of, well, it can't be true because it can't decide what people are called. But as we've done more research and more archaeology, we've actually seen this is how it was because the Romans would conquer different areas. And would allow them to have different governors or rulers for those regions, and mm-hmm. they would allow them to kind of take whatever name they wanted to. Mm. So, you know, someone might be called a governor. Someone like Herod would call himself a king, mm-hmm. right? So, there's a there that actually is part of how the Romans ruled. Great. So, it actually testifies to the historicity of this book. Great. Um, but chapter twenty-five. Uh, oh, did I finish chapter twenty-four? Yeah, chapter twenty-five. We see the the key moment here is in verse eleven. So it's, he says. So he's, uh, you know, been on trial for a long time. He's just kind of been floating around. And he says in verse eleven, "If then I'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to the to are charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar." Hmm. So he says, "There's these are empty charges." but i'm just kind of in limbo i want to go i want to appeal to caesar mm-hmm. and it was the right of roman citizens to be able to appeal in caesar's court to be right. heard by caesar so there's a court of appeals just like we have in america today right you can you can appeal something and so he's he's now going to go to caesar so verse 12 festus says to caesar you've appealed to caesar you shall go so he's going to now go to caesar and where is caesar located in rome of well, course of course there. Chapter twenty six, we see Paul's defense before King Agrippa. So this is after he's already, you know, slotted to go to Rome, but now he's talking to King Agrippa, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he gives this awesome defense and a long speech here. But it's interesting just to see some of the things that he says. So like you know, verse six, he says, "And now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers." to which our tw- 12 tribes hope to obtain, <laughs> attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused, O oh king. So he's, he's explicitly, again, linking his gospel to the history of Israel. Right. He's not seeing this as a break from it, but as a fulfillment of that mm-hmm. hope, which is just so important for us as we've read through the Old Testament, right? right. Or maybe <laughs> as you're listening, you're reading through the Old Testament right now. And in verse 8, he says, Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? It's a great question, right? (laughs) If he's God, can't God do these sort of impossible things that we can't do? So Paul gives his testimony a second time here. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is actually the third time in the book that his testimony has been told, right? So first it was chapter 9 when he's converted, and then we see him tell his testimony twice before other leaders, Mm -hmm. which again reinforces that Paul's conversion story is a a very crucial story. Right. Not many things are told three times in scripture mm-hmm. but this is and it's formative to his theology. Hmm. So then look at verses 22 and 23. It says to this day I've had the help that comes from God and so I stand here testifying both to small and great saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead he would proclaim light both to our people and to the gentiles. Hmm. So again he I mean this is kind of how we've understood the old testament right that what the gospel reveals is simply what the Old Testament pointed to. Right. What it sometimes explicitly says, but throughout its entirety, points to, indicates, has to happen in order for God's people to be saved. Mm-hmm. So he's pointing to himself as the fulfillment, or his, his message as the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. Hmm. And, the, and of course, that Gentile focus again, that, this, that God, Christ is going to be a light to the Gentiles. So I, lo- I love King Agrippa's response in verse 28. He says, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that, yeah. Do you really think you're going to do this? And and Paul's response, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. Hmm. Yeah, I want you to become like me. That's a bold (laughs) statement, right? I want you to become like me except for my chains. I wouldn't want you to be in this circumstance, but I'd want you to have the hope that I do. Hmm. And so the response from... Uh, the, of Agrippa, when, when Paul goes away, as he says in verse thirty-one, "This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment." Yeah. And again, he says in verse thirty-two, "This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar." Mm. Um, so that's that's interesting because it shows us that again, God wants him to go to Caesar. Right. It's also so, not about preserving his life. Or something yeah, or that's, like that's something not the goal. Now. God could have there could have been ways that God could have you know released him and freed him but Paul's mission is much better than just preserving his life. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. I I think we have a mission that is more important than preserving our lives as well. Oh, right? Yeah. And so often we can focus on temporal comforts or temporary safety that we neglect what God is calling us to. Yeah. And and that confidence that Paul had. We don't have we don't have this guarantee from God of you're going to go to Rome, or you're going to go to I don't know what's what's the Rome of our days day. You're going to uh, go to San Jose, York, <laughs> LA. yeah,
0: San Jose for us. Yeah, like we don't have
1: that kind of a guarantee, but we do have a guarantee of, from God that He is doing the work in us. He'll bring it to completion, and so we can we can leave the details up to Him. We really can. Mm-hmm. We cannot fret too much about things that are beyond our control, about our own safety, and so it's a good reminder seeing Paul's boldness. Yeah. So in chapter twenty-seven, we see Paul sailing towards Rome interesting chapter here because there's there's so much language in the greek that is technical language mm. so some of the some of the words you might go what what is this word you know the type of winds that they're facing or the type of gear they have uh, luke seems to really know his his stuff he's got an extensive vocabulary mm-hmm. for this stuff so someone that's pretty familiar with sailing which mm-hmm. makes sense i mean i've been on a cruise ship once <laughs> and it was like two days and i got to mexico right <laughs> like that was that was it i wasn't like you know on it for months like he would be back then right. weeks and months and and seeing all the gear and and you know Around. almost dying and all that so it makes sense that someone who's actually was actually on these trips with paul was right. was, was, was there yeah or was seeing sure. this. so they're sailing towards rome and paul gives a prophecy before they leave right he says Verse ten, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with with injury and much loss, <laughs> not only to, of the cargo and the ship, but also of our of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Great, <laughs> now, this sail. is super helpful. <laughs> yeah, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Okay, so they and they decided to to set out. Um, Early, essentially, right. So they decide to set out, but Paul's prophecy is going to term is going to end up being determinative of the journey. I just, I
0: mean, think of the imagery of what's going on here. Paul's like, this ship journey is not going to be good. I'm going to get right on and go. <laughs>
1: well, he doesn't have a choice. But I, I think it's just funny thinking of like esteemed centurion and boat owner and right, pilot yeah. all like talking and then paul's like hey we're all gonna die on this <laughs> journey like yeah of course you would say that you want you don't want to go Fair, yeah. you know you're a prisoner of course you would say that so they're this you know tattered old prisoner is saying crazy stuff um, but again that's going to be the the you know set the course for this journey so what happens well of course a A northeaster, a a wind. I I mean, I've heard that that's in terms of the historicity of this or the the geography, that's actually very accurate. I cannot confirm personally, but um, so a a wind comes, a storm comes, and they are in big trouble and they're trying to throw off their cargo and it's not helping. In verse 21, it says, Since they've been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and and incurred this injury and loss. So he's just like, hey, remember that time? Told you so. (laughs) Like unashamed. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, again, this is so funny. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So he encourages them to take heart, right? He's saying essentially, This is, you guys are all exist to get me to Rome. Mm-hmm. And God has given me your lives, right? As a <laughs> gift for my sake, right? And so it's like, I mean, imagine how humiliating or how ridiculous that would be to hear him say that. And yet we see that they actually, the Gentiles actually begin to respond in faith. Mm-hmm. So, like in verse 31, there, what's happening is some of the sailors want to leave the ship. So they get on one of their little you know, dinghies and try to one of the rescue boats or whatever and try to escape. And Paul says in verse 31, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the centurion chops the ropes of the boat and lets it float away. <laughs> There's your escape, escape pod, right? <laughs> so the, he's actually believing now, Paul, and Paul is now going to dictate where they're gonna go. So he tells them to eat some food, to, you know, strengthen up and to prepare for the shipwreck. So the, the boat is wrecked and yet every single person is brought safely to shore. Mm. Amazing right 276 recording the exact number of people right. and accounting for each single person and God protects all of them Not for their own sake but for the mission of Paul for mm-hmm. the gospel for the Word of God to prevail and to go all the way to the court in Rome Right. So chapter 28 we see they're welcomed by some natives of the island. You yeah, know, right. it, it just hit me This is like kind of embarrassing but it just hit me like when I was reading this this time that like these aren't like like uh, you know, guys with bones in their noses and stuff to be like, really, <laughs> like these are these. This is an island like in the Aegean Sea. Like these are like not not. Um, yeah, wow. you nice. know, they're not. It's not like South America. Yeah, you know, yeah. In, yeah. interior jungles. Yes. Um, so anyway, but, but they land there, and some of the people that are on the island help them, and they make this fire, and it says when Paul had gathered the sticks and put them in the fire a viper came out and fastened on his hand so Mm -hmm. he's got a snake on his hand and they're all going oh my gosh this guy must be a murderer because he escaped death on the sea and now justice is trying to seek him out and kill him Mm -hmm. by sending the snake and then he just kind of like shakes the snake off and it falls into the fire and he kind of keeps going on and then they're like wait like waiting for him to die (laughs) and then he doesn't die they're like he must be divine he must be like a messenger from God. He must be a God. So, yeah, they really flip-flop on that. But he's able to, to do a healing and to, um, you know, make the gospel known in this place as well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then finally, at the very end here, he arrives in Rome. So God's brought him through all of these dangerous toils and snares, right, and brings him finally to Rome. And he calls the Jewish leaders together. So it ends in kind of a weird way. So he calls the Jewish leaders together in verse 17. And he uh, he tells them about that he's been imprisoned and begins to proclaim the gospel to them. He says, Verse 20, for this reason therefore I've asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And so they don't understand who he is. They ask him to to teach them some more, to share some more with them. And then verse 23, it said, When they appointed him a day, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers hmm. from morning till evening. He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Again, notice that continuity. It's very interesting, right? He's preaching from the Old Testament, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Hmm. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. So Paul says one last thing. This is the kind of this is the last words of Paul in this book. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly offensive, right? (laughs) But it it sums up in a lot of ways what Acts is all about, Mm. that movement toward the Gentiles. He says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. Mm. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them." Mm. Therefore, let it be known to you the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Mm. So there you go. You see that final movement of the Jews are rejecting this message kind of fully and finally, in a sense. Obviously, individual Jews will be saved. right? But Paul is saying, okay, now this is a Gentile gospel. This is going out to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the final word. And we see now how God's plan is being fulfilled, and the word of God is prevailing in all of these different ways. Awesome. It's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it's really great. It's great to see Paul's you know, influence in that and uh, see the gospel go out. It's a blessing, so we're blessed by it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. We'll see you next week as we start the Book of Romans. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us.